talk about the sermon. I want to intro the sermon a little bit in talking about um, examinations. The, the sermon title this morning, if you look at your notes, is called Life Exam. I believe this, and I believe it because I've lived it and because I know it and I see it's real and I see evidence of it in the Bible and in my friends' lives, is that every once in a while, we need to meet with God and we need to have a life examination. That we as Christians, we had the initial life exam when we found Jesus the very first time. And we said, I understand this is what it is to be a Christian. My life's a wreck as I look at my life and I need some help here. And you, you take a good look, look, long look at your life and you go, I need God. So connect with him. And then you begin to grow in the faith. And what we do a lot of times is we, we get involved with all the good stuff. We read our Bible. We go to church. We're learning to worship. We're learning about tithing and fasting and spiritual disciplines. And we, we grow and we, we move forward with God. But there's times when we need to take a look and realize that it's not just about growing forward and taking on the new nature of the spirit and the life of the spirit. But the Bible specifically says in order to get all the good new stuff, you got to let go of the old stuff, right? You got to let go of the sinful nature and the things that are, are bugging you and they're back there and you're passing. They're really the way to move forward is to go back and get rid of some of that other stuff. And we need to have these times where we take a good long look at our lives. Um, I've been driving around for the past couple months in my car, which I love my truck, by the way, Toyota Tacoma. It's the way to go. I got an 06. I love it. I'm selling. How's this? I'm literally selling people cars on the church, not selling, but I talked like two or three people into buying the same truck I have. That's the influence and the power I as a pastor have over you. (laughs) Watch out. (laughs) No, but seriously, I'm going, I love this truck. It's so good. It's so practical. People are buying this car. So I love my truck. But recently I noticed um, past couple months ago, actually, that the check engine light came on. It's actually not the check engine. It's the, what do you call it in the Toyotas? It says, maint wrecked. You guys know what that stands for? Maintenance required, right? And maintenance required light came on, and that light irritates me. I don't like that light. I think my truck is running good. It's fine. I don't want to have to go change my oil. I mean, that costs money. I have to schedule it in my week. And what if they find something worse that's going on because of that light is on? How about we just kind of ignore it for a while, right? So for the past few months, I've been running around with that little light just irritating me every time. Turn on the car. I despise you, little maintenance required light, right? And so I've gone so far as to take my son's school picture and just place it right over that light right there. I would rather look at his smiling face and that stupid little light that keeps bugging me, right? Now, I understand there must be something wrong for that light to be on, but I don't want to deal with it. My truck feels good. It runs good. It's a Toyota engine, right? Hawaii's favorite truck, the Toyota Tacoma, right? And I love my truck, and I'm just thinking, I don't want to deal with that. It's inconvenient to me. I don't want to know that there's something worse that's wrong. I'm just going to keep driving it, and everything's going to be okay. It'll just go away on its own, right? And what, what, I, what I tried to do, actually, because I would still see the light, kind of the orange shining behind my son's head. I'm like, oh, it's still there, right? So I went so far as to turn to the internet for all of my life's answers, right? I Googled, how do you turn off dash light on 06 Tacoma? And basically, I went there. I'm like, I'm going to turn this thing off once and for all. I go to, you know what it says? You should probably take your car into the shop. <laughs> you should probably go get a diagnostic and find out what is wrong with your car. There's a reason the light is on, and we're not just going to tell you how to turn it off until you get that thing fixed. And I went, ah! So I actually broke down, and I scheduled an appointment. So this Thursday, I'm taking it in for a check. But as I was dealing with that thing, and I'm thinking about the God story that we're going to share with you guys today in the, the sermon and thinking about verses in the Word, I, um, I thought about that, is that we live by the... Um, it's not even a law, but it's like a little slogan. We live by the slogan, the phrase that says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
How many of you guys live your life by that, by that one too? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't bother. Don't, don't dig deep. Don't need to know what's wrong. Just If it seems like it's all going good, let's just keep, keep going the way that we are. The problem is oftentimes there are actually things in our life that are broken, but we don't discover them and we can't fix them unless we actually dig a little bit and we take a look. Are you guys hearing me? See, here's what I believe in our spiritual walk, in our life with God. I want to be a better man of God. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better worker, a better pastor, blah, 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 whatever it is in your life. You want to be better. You want God to do something for you. And yet God can only fix what's broken in your life based on what you admit is broken in your life. Does that make sense? Is that God can only fix what you admit is broken. And God wants to fix you, wants to take you further. But if you're not willing to take a deep look at what's really broken in your life, he's going, I can't do anything. It's not that he's incapable, he's not powerful enough to do it, but he doesn't ever force himself on us because he gives us free will. He goes, true love is based on the fact that you can choose to say yes to me or to say no to me, so I'm never going to force myself on you. And oftentimes God's going, I want to fix it, but you got to give me permission to fix it. I want you guys to take a look at the screens for a couple minutes at a God story, a story about how God moved in someone's life, and it really had a lot to do with taking that that self-examination, that life examination with God. Take a look at the screens at my friend Augie, Augie Irlandes Jr. Good story here. My life was full of drugs. My life was living gangster, gangster living. I used to be a drug dealer and I was out in Waianae. You know, justifying I needed to survive and stuff like that. So I just sold drugs, and and, and I had an, I had a big addiction too. So that supplied my addiction, and uh, that's all I did. That's all I did before. And I put myself in, in, in a bad lifestyle, and and I you know, I got tired of that life. I I had to get out. In 2007, once on New Year's Eve, I, I asked a prayer. I asked God, to what? Am I still going to be doing this when I'm 50? Am I still going to be dealing drugs when, until I'm 50 and using? And I made that prayer when I was 44. Sure enough, in May, I got arrested, not knowing that was God getting me arrested. That, that was one of his plans to get me arrested, get out of the game, get out of the community. I went to OCCC, I, I spent one year in there, and then I finally got sentenced. I got sentenced for 10 years. But while I was in OCCC, uh, I, I got my, my first Bible, guys, my Gideon. And I still got it till today, and I still go through it. I, I got so much gems that came out of this Bible and understanding it. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 stuck out real fast. Just trust in Him, you know. Lean not in your own understandings. And I, that's what I was doing. Even when I was in jail, I was spinning, still blaming others, still doing this, but not knowing that that was my bad behaviors that I had in me, still that, you know, that needed to be washed and clean. And, and God, only Jesus can do that. Uh, when, I, when I got sentenced, I went to Halava. I had me a little radio, and then, and then I started listening to uh, John Vernon McGee and Chuck Smith, Chuck Swindle, all those guys are on the radio, and then I, and even Ralph Moore. <laughs> and at the end of his his uh, service, he, he says that he says the prayer. He gives us an altar call. Get everybody an altar call, and and I prayed that prayer with him. And I said, yes, yes, I believe that you can and help me, and I believe that you can can change my attitudes, change my behaviors. I need I need you to be in my life. I needed to 
totally surrender to him and give him all my obligations, all my life, and all my trust, just trust in him all the way. Godwin also provided me with one godly um, bunkie that uh, we always, we are prayed before we, we, we go to sleep. We pray for our people that's outside of us. And so, you know, God, God guided me with my path in Halava. And uh, that's the minimum facility, Halava. I went from medium to minimum. So when, when I got a minimum, um, I went straight to Wayava. And that's a path that God put me on. So I went to a 12-step program with community, with a lot of people that, that, that had the same problems as me. You know, step one, step two, step three, I learned that. Step one, I admit that I had a problem. Step two, came to believe. Step three, turned my will and my, and my life over to the care of God. And I did that in Halava, so I got that down. But you know what? You gotta have one solid foundation when you're doing step four. And, and um, see, God will put me in Wayava to learn about myself now. So I can, I, I, I can see about what is wrong inside of me and, and take a personal inventory, a spiritual inventory and an honest inventory about myself and what is really, what is really stopping me from feeling the feelings that I should be feeling crying and stuff like that. I already got anger down, you know, that's the way I, 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 I mask things and stuff like that. But the, others, the other feelings, you know, that I, that I couldn't face, I used to mask. So God had the plan for keeping me inside because when I started inventorying myself, oh, it, it almost, I had temptations to use again. To, to, to smoke and hide those feelings, to, to drink a beer and hide those feelings. See, God knew that he knew me better than myself because I wouldn't do one step four, but I, he knew that to, to leave me inside there to do one step four. And I couldn't do it without him because to turn your, your, your will and your life over the care of God, you know, that's the foundation that I, I needed to build upon. When I was going through that process, he, he helped me stop swearing. He helped me stop smoking cigarettes. Uh, he found me a job. That's the hardest thing because um, my parole officer, the parole board, excuse me, the parole board wasn't gonna let me go until I found, I'd get a job. So he found me a job and that was really, really, oh, a blessing for me, guys. He found a job for me I, and, um, I got out. I got out. When I came out, I, 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 I come to the Saturday services, and, and, I, and I just kept on coming every Saturday service. And then, uh, you know, kept with the word, kept in fellowship. Yeah, that was the key, kept in fellowship, and then keeping my recovery. My recovery was key. And then um, to find people with the same goals as me, who, who, who worship the Lord and... and, and and depend on the Lord and 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 and, to, and stay sober. That's the people I needed to stay with. So I, I I so I don't go back and easily backslide. He's using me now to help other people because of, of what I went through. And my weakness that I had out there is where his strength comes through so I can help others now. I do a celebrate recovery ministry. It's a ministry uh, that deals with the hurts and the hangups and addictions. God, he never wastes a hurt, and he's using my hurt to just 
show them the healing powers of, of Jesus. I didn't know that this was in God's plan too to be uh to be working at Hope Chapel, people. Yeah, I work for you guys, and uh, I'm the maintenance supervisor for Hope Chapel, Kanye Bay. I like to um to say thanks to the guys who prayed for me out there, the Kapunas that prayed with my dad. I think about 11 years they was praying for me when I was out there in, in my addiction and stuff like that. And um, I, I'm a walking miracle now, and I'm a walking miracle. That prayer does work, and um, I'm so thankful. And yeah, I just praise Him and glorify Him for that. God answered my prayer in 2007. Am I still gonna be doing this when I'm 50? His answer was no. You're gonna be working for me now. <laughs> super blessed to know Augie, not just to have him working on staff, but just to, just to know him and know his story and the story of victory. And, um, you know, you hear stories like that and your life is just made better by people like that that go through your life because he's a walking miracle. He's a walking testimony of how good our God is and just so blessed and thankful for what God did. But, um, if you see Augie, thank him because he makes this campus a beautiful place that we all get to worship at together so just make sure you tell him and you thank him because he's doing a great job and what a cool story but one of the things that got me in there um, we knew his story was good and there's so much more amazing details to that we 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 cut it down to like eight minutes or whatever there's like this long testimony of incredible miracle after miracle and we're looking for what's the angle that we take because man what a good story it's a it's an overall story of transformation Here's what God can do with someone's life. And we were like, do we go off that angle? Do we go after the miraculous? Do we go, what do we go with? The thing that jumped out to me the biggest was part, part of his testimony in there was that the thing that was kind of the key to him getting to the next level, it wasn't just, oh, God's good and I'll seek him, was when he said, I had to take a personal inventory. I had to take a spiritual, honest look at my life and where I was at and let God look in and go, let's really take a good hard look at what's going on. Because we can go on with our lives just building, building all the good stuff. But God's going, but what about getting rid of all the old stuff? Because there's a give and take, right? When we grow in the Lord, there's getting rid of the sinful nature and taking on the life of the spirit. And so many times we just take on, take on, take on. And like I said, check engine light has been on for a while and there's stuff that God needs to get out so that he can get us to the next level. Amen. And so I, I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about in Scripture, there's this neat place where the Apostle Paul, who's writing to this church in Corinth, in the book of Corinthians, you guys know we went through it a little while back, is that the Apostle Paul started a church in this town of Corinth. And he got all these people believing in Jesus and, and loving each other and following the truth and, and, and worshiping God. And then after he went away, um, they kind of started falling back into their old, old routines, they started letting the sinful nature creep back in. They started getting distracted by all the philosophies and the high-minded ideas and the, the false teachers that were out there. And they started losing track. And, and Paul would write to him and he would visit him and say, guys, get back, back on track. It's all about God. He's got better things for you. Don't get distracted in all that stuff. Don't let the old nature come back in. And he would have to uh, write letters to defend his own authority. They're like, who are you? Why do you? What makes you a guy that can speak into our lives? And he would write, remember, I was the guy that planted the seed in you, and I've done this, and I pray for you and all this. And finally, he gets to this point in Scripture that I really like, where it's almost you can see the heart of the Apostle Paul just kind of saying, you know what? I can talk at you guys till I'm blue in the face, but here's what you need to do. And in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he just says this, examine yourselves. See, there's a point 
where we can let people talk to us only so much because they can only see so much. And there's only so much that we allow everybody else to see. But then there's a point where we need to get honest with ourselves because God knows already. He goes, why don't you stop and take a good hard look at who you are? Because you know the image you're projecting, but you know the real you. And God knows the real you. And he goes, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you and in you. If not, you failed the test of genuine faith. And this is what I want to talk about today, this life examination. I believe that there's a lot of us. When we talked last week, Francis Chan spoke about going to the mountain before God. Remember that? At the end of his, his sermon that we all just kind of made that time and go, he said, go to the mountain right now, wherever you're at. Just close your eyes, just focus. You and God, not in a room full of people, but you spiritually, your heart, naked, raw, exposed to just like going, God, just look at me. Show me what's, what's in there. What, do, what is it that I need to see? I'm just coming to rest in your presence right now. And see, the reality is there's a bunch of people that met with God last week in that time. And it was the first time that they did that in a long time. I talked to people afterwards. They're like, oh my gosh, I was so convicted. God was just speaking to me and I didn't want to necessarily go there, but I went there in my heart, in my mind. And he's showing me stuff. And some people are like, I had a hard time even breathing. Some people are like, it was so freeing. I did this. But a lot of us, we couldn't even get to that point last week. We struggled because it had been so long since we'd, have a good, we'd had a good life exam with God and got to that place where God wants us broken and raw and exposed and just examining ourselves and going, yeah, this is who I really am. So we asked ourselves the question, am I fully surrendered to God? The verse that, that, that it said in there, Paul was talking, he says, surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you fail the test of genuine faith. Here's a question. God, I'm a Christian. I call myself a Christian, a follower of Christ. Am I really following Jesus Christ in every area of my life? That's a, that's a real tough question to ask, a good life exam question. God, when I take a look at my life, do I really like who I'm becoming? Do I like who I am? Do I like where I'm going? Have I really surrendered completely to you? And see, in these times of, of self-examination, we need to really, really honestly meet with God personally. There's a book we've been reading that's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And the whole thing is it's pointing us back to looking at our lives, who we really are in Jesus Christ, and spending solid real time with God. And one of the things it mentions is, in order to do that, you need to actually get a place where you have silence and solitude. That means not necessarily going to be in church or mini church or whatever. It's going to be a place where you alone just meet with God. Maybe it's your bedroom floor on your knees, face down in the carpet, just meeting with God. Maybe it's, I don't know where it is a place where you just have silence. That means you don't come and tell God what you need done in your life. You don't have an agenda, a list. You just come and go, God, show me the real me. I just need to meet with you. Show me what you can do in my life, what you need to fix. And solitude, right? silence, you're coming quiet, but solitude is you do it alone. And maybe you need to put worship music on in the background or something. But I'm challenging you this week and in this message to begin to have these times of honest to goodness just broken, exposed examinations by God and let him show you who you really are. I've been in a season of it in my life and I gotta tell you, it's benefited me so much. I'm a guy that, that probably lived a good Christian life and didn't think there was a lot of stuff, but you know, deep inside, you know the check engine light is on, but you're like, I'm doing good enough. I'm doing all this good stuff. You know, it's gonna excuse all of this other behavior and, and insecurities and thoughts and things that people put on me and, and expectations in life. Nah, that's, that's minor, I got that stuff and I really have to come into this season and it's been good for me to be broken, to be just raw before God and go, 
God, this is where I'm at. But I think you need to get to that place where you just meet with him. There's a couple verses in Psalms that I love that talk about in verse, or chapter 19, verse 12 to 14. Psalm says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's talking about the hidden sins. You know what I appreciated about Augie's testimony is? Here's God changing him from being a guy that's addicted to drugs and living the lifestyle of dealing drugs and all this. That's a big deal. But Augie goes, that's not good enough. He says he went to the Lord still to be clean and swept free of even the little things. God, take away my swearing. Like to me, I'd be thinking, you know what? The drug dealing and the drug using, that's big enough. Just stay with that. But God, who loves us enough to say, but I want everything in your life clean. Come to him and give him everything. Examine me, God. Point out even the hidden things that I don't see. And so you hear Augie's testimony. He says, I prayed for God to help me to stop swearing. And then I started realizing I'm not swearing anymore. When he was in jail, he just noticed it was gone. He prayed, God, I don't want to smoke anymore. God took the cravings away. He had three, three boxes of cigarettes left. He gave them away to people in jail and he hasn't looked back. See, crazy stuff like that where God's going, I want to even reveal the hidden stuff that may seem small. I want you free. Do you understand that when you meet with God and he exposes you and he examines your heart, he's not there to do that to go, look at what a sinner you are. Oh, you didn't know you're doing this, this, and this wrong. I'm going to embarrass you. I'm going to make you feel terrible about yourself. You're such a sinner. God is going, I want to expose that stuff because I want it out of your life because I want freedom for you. I sent my son to die on that cross so that you wouldn't have to keep holding on to these dumb sins. So you wouldn't have to have that check engine light on in life. Come meet with me. We'll expose it. We'll look at it, but then give it to me. Let me get it out of your life. Are you guys hearing me? God wants freedom. He's not here to judge you or to condemn you. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. It's about freedom. The, the sooner we get to meeting with him, and as it says in Psalms 139, verses 23 to 24, the message version says it, cool. We let God investigate our lives. He says, investigate my life, oh God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. And then guide me on the road to eternal life. See, the, there's a point in our lives when only God can show us what we can't see ourselves, right? That we can look at ourselves and we put on a good mask and we just try to hide it. But God's going, there's something bigger and deeper that's going on there and you need to let me fix it. A couple of our friends recently, uh, my wife's good friends, just been struggling um, two different situations, separate incidents, but they both each tore their ACL in one of their knees, right? The ACL is the ligaments that go in the knee that keep the knee operating and they, and they tore it and you hear a pop or a pain or whatever. There's a lot of people that have that injury. And in the midst of that pain and discovering that pain, they didn't know right off the bat that they tore their ACL. They just thought, my, I hurt my knee really bad. And so what do they do? Like all of us, when we hurt ourselves is we put off going to the doctor, right? Because we're like, it costs money. It takes time. I don't want to do all of that if I can just walk it off, right? And you try to walk it off. And so these, these, both of these women just tried, let me put ice on it, or maybe it's acupuncture I need, or massage therapy, or maybe it's heat, maybe I just need to exercise it, maybe I just need to rest it, but something, I can heal it on my own, and it'll be okay. Well, I was reading up on the whole ACL tear kind of a thing, and basically what it says is, you can kind of treat the symptoms on your own, and you might be able to get back to 100%, but it'll take super long. Or the majority of the time is you can't fully heal it yourself. You can get by and survive in life, but you're always going to kind of walk with a limp, right? 
because it's always, and that's not the cool street style walking that I'm trying. That's just like, ow, it hurts, right? And you're always going to deal with that thing. And see, what they had to kind of come to grips with was, I'm always going to live with this, and this pain is always going to be here, and I can only do so much to help it, or I can go see a professional. I can go to a doctor, I can go to a physician, I can go to a surgeon, and they're going to do what they need to do. And with physical therapy, I'm going to come back stronger than I was before. They literally say, your knee will be stronger than it was before, not just healed to where it was. We can actually make it stronger. But you know, here's, here's the point where it changes everything, is when you realize that only the professional can get in there and fix it and bring about those kind of results. When we get to the point of, God, I'm walking my life with a limp, and I can't do too much about it, but you're the great physician, and you got the power to heal me, and I got to release my will, and I got to come to the point of surrender and meet with you, that's when I'm going to get full healing. Are you guys hearing me in this one? And it's funny because the, the process, it's a little bit painful sometimes, most of the time, the reality is. And one of our friends said, the physical therapy part of it, that's the worst part of it. She says she's swearing all day long at this person. Luckily, it's her cousin, and she can get away with it. She's like, you, rah, 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 how dare you make me, rah, 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 this rah, 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 hurts, you know, and just giving it to him. And then I go, oh, that's, that's terrible, that sucks. She goes, yeah. I go, but how do you feel afterwards? Oh, it's getting better. It feels good. Oh, it's worth it, right? Yeah. You still swearing? Yeah. But it's getting better? Yeah. Okay. The point is that we're getting better in this thing, right? And this is what we need to come to terms with is, God, you want to do something in my life, but I got to admit that it's broken and I got to face it and I got to confess it and I got to repent of it, but you can fix it. And that's where I need to be. But in the midst of this process, it's more than just going to God. Here's the awesome thing that God gives us. God gives us the family of God to walk through this stuff with us in our lives because he knows that it's hard for us on our li- in our lives to walk this thing out here on this planet earth where there's so many distractions. Sinful nature wants to keep us broken and keep us in that bondage that we were in. God says, I'm putting people in your life that are gonna have your back that you can turn to for accountability and for strength and for prayer. You know, the Bible often talks in scripture so many times of the concept of an armor bearer. You guys know what an armor bearer is? someone that goes into battle with you, carrying your armor, standing with you, fighting with you. Easton's Bible Dictionary says, an armor bearer was an officer selected by generals and kings because of his bravery, not only to bear the armor, armor, but also to stand by them in the time of danger. One of the things I heard in Augie's testimony was, I had to find fellowship. I had to find community. I had to walk out my life with people that had the same goals as me so they could keep me from slipping back into my old ways that I was getting, getting clean and blessed by God and he was examining my heart and showing me stuff, but I didn't have the strength to go through it alone. Thank you for the people that walked through life with me. And see, in my life, I look and I go, man, I've, I have some amazing armor bearers. I have some, some, Pastor Tom has been just the backup so strong in my life. We walked through some of these battles together, some valleys in his life. I've been there for him. He's been there for, with me. I look at the staff, my friends, my wife. You know, the other day I was sharing something. God's showing me some new stuff. And it's kind of like, I feel exposed a little bit. It's stuff that I'm like, he's showing me that's new that I need to walk into my gifting and my calling. And I shared some stuff with her. I go, hey, I think, I think God's telling me this. It's kind of weird. I just, I threw it out there because I knew she was going to speak from God to me. And sure enough, she comes and she just tells me straight. As sometimes, you know, the people in your life, they're allowed to speak to you. She just goes, yeah, you need to stop believing the lie. Somewhere this came in your life and you believe this and it held you back. And God has been saying this and what you're saying now is confirming this. And I'm just sitting there just like taking it, just like, oh, oh, you know, trying not to cry. But I'm like, this is God speaking to me because this is someone that knows me, that has my back, that's my armor bearer, that's going through life. And I'm like, thank you, God, for the people in my life like that. Let me ask you the question. Who's your armor bearer? Who do you have in your life? 
Because if you don't have those people, you're facing the hurt and the self-examination on your own. And God goes, it's so important to have fellowship. All the one another's and the each other's that are listed in scripture. God says we're not meant to walk out our Christianity alone. See, there's the time in Exodus 20, if you guys remember the story, Moses is in the great Exodus leading the children of Israel into the promised land, right? And the Israelites come up into battle against the Amalekites, the enemies of God's people. And so God goes, Moses, I'm going to give you victory. And how you're going to do it is Joshua and the Israelites, they're going to fight. And I'm going to give you victory. But what I want you to do is to stand up on the hill. And I want you to hold up the staff of God that represents the power of God and who, who you focus on, where your strength comes from. You hold it up in the air. And when you hold it up, our army is going to defeat the Amalekites. Here's the problem. Moses' arms got tired after a while. I was like, oh, it's heavy. I can't do this all day, right? And his arms started to go down. So what happens? Two guys show up. Aaron and her come alongside. They go, Moses, sit on this rock right here. We got you. And they each stood on each side of him and they held his hands up all day long so that the Israelites could defeat the, the battle and God would be victorious that day. Well, here's again the question. Who is the Aaron and the her in your life? When you're coming to that examination with God and going, God, there's things that need to change. This is a painful process. I want to get through this. I want to be a better person. I want to be victorious. You got to look around and go, who's got my back? Who's my armor bearer? Because I can't do this alone. And God is going to do incredible things through those relationships, but you have to have those relationships. If you don't have them right now, here's what I'll tell you. Do what it takes to get them. Pray into it. Go to mini church, meet people, find people that are going to help you walk through the process because it's in that togetherness that there's something that God loves about making a point about everything comes down to relationships and relationships are our greatest strength. So find someone, but realize at the same time, it is going to get uncomfortable. That's one thing you can just write in your notes. This will be an uncomfortable process. There will be some pain involved. A good life examination should lead to radical changes in your life. That means you fall out of the normal habits that you normally do. You might have to stop hanging out with some of the people you normally hang out with because you're wanting God to do bigger and better things and you got to change. It's radical to not hang out with those people for the season, but God's going, I got something better for you. And maybe the radical thing is you've been praying about this job change for so long and you don't know, you don't know. And that's the kind of thing that's been holding you back. It's time for you to go in there and to make a change, to go seek new employment or talk to that boss. Or maybe it's you got to go confront someone that you didn't want to confront forever. And God's going, the only way you're going to find freedom is if you have closure and you go confront and you deal with that thing. I don't know what it might be in your life, but there, I guarantee you, if God wants to get you to the next level, you got to do something you don't normally do. You got to do the radical change and you got to realize it might be a little bit uncomfortable. Augie was thinking about changing his life. God, I want to walk through life your way. I want to be successful. But I know that the easy way out would be to go back to selling drugs again because it's big money in a short amount of time and I can get ahead financially that way. And yet he had to go, I'm going to do what's uncomfortable for me is I'm going to go and get a legal job that doesn't pay very much money. I'm going to walk out the thing that's super uncomfortable, but Real change demands like a radical shift in your thinking and in your actions. Are you guys getting that this morning? There may be something in your life right now where you know God's speaking to you. Right now, while I'm talking, it's not me, it's God saying, you know what you need to do. You know it's gonna be a little bit painful. You know that when you come before me, I'm gonna point out those things in your life. And there's some things you need to stop looking at, people you need to start, stop hanging out with, uh, different places that you need to stop going because it's going to put you in that wrong way. I'm trying to get you freedom. I'm trying to get you farther along. But it takes a radical change in who you are. Psalm 51 verse 17 says that it, that it may require you being broken. God says the sacrifice, or the, about God, the sacrifice you desire, God, is a broken spirit. 
You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. That when you really say yes and allow God to show you some stuff, you might be broken. You might be in a place of like, oh my gosh, it's, I never saw that about myself before. I can tell you as I've walked through the process recently, God has gotten me to that brokenness and it's a little embarrassing to say, but I cry a whole lot more than I ever used to. I used to be a man that doesn't cry, that I pride myself on no emotion, just blue steel. You know, like I don't need to take this stuff and, and I can handle and, I, and I don't have, I'm above emotions like that. What I found is when God breaks you, it hurts, but it's so good. It, it, it hurts. You have to be broken so that God can rebuild you. You understand that? He can't, if you already got something going on, God's going, well, then that's you. You got your own deal. But let me break you down so I can rebuild you and remodel you into something bigger and better. So now I have this compassion for people. And when I feel the Holy Spirit moving, sometimes in worship, I'm like brought to tears. I'm just like, not now, God. You know, I don't want to do this thing. But on the other hand, I'm just kind of like, but it feels so good. It feels so good to be broken and realize that he is bigger than my pride. He's bigger than my identity and my image that says I have to walk around being cool guy and not cry. God, you're bigger, you're worth it. And you matter more to me, so break me. Holy Spirit, just break me, it's okay. Because I know where you're leading is gonna be good. Who cares what all those other people think? I don't even care anymore, so I'm gonna cry. If you guys see me crying, you better not judge me. Don't make fun because I'm meeting with my God and he's doing something. Are you guys hearing me? That, that it requires a brokenness. It's a good brokenness. And I was so deceived into thinking, like, don't show emotion. What a, what a joke, man. I want to be close to the heart of God. I want to know that he loves me intimately and that he alone can drive me to tears. Oh, that's, that's crazy. That's good stuff right there. But it may require you, require you to be uncomfortable. Ephesians 4.22 just puts it like this. You've got to throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God truly righteous and holy. See, as I walked through a season of my life where it was like going through warfare, going through problems, going through other people attacking me, me thinking that the problems were with everybody else in the midst of it being broken and going, letting God show me, hey, there's some stuff broken in you that you could work on. What? Wait, I wasn't expecting that. It's everybody else's problem, right? But when you really let him expose that stuff, oh, it's uncomfortable. And see, I realized that I wasn't as good of a pastor, husband, father, friend, all of that in my life that God really wanted me to be. He wanted me to go next level. And there's stuff I had to do to take radical changes that I needed to love my wife differently. My, my, my wife was working here at the church. She got a new job at Commandment Schools and she's loving it and it's a blessing to her. But I didn't want to believe that at first. No, God, that's, that's too radical. Don't do that. And God's going, this is what it requires, radical change. And in the midst of that, I realized I got to pick up the pace now because my wife's working here and I'm over here. And you know what? I just said, God, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. It hurts. It's uncomfortable. I don't like this. But now I become the king of doing the dishes at home and doing the laundry at home because my wife is working and she can't do it all. And yeah, I know. She, so I try. I'm not perfect. But then I, and I'm, and I'm going, you need girls' nights out and you need to have your life working like this. And let me tell you, it's, it's uncomfortable to me. It's hard to make the changes. But God is going, but I'm trying to do something good. And I become a better husband. I'm not 100%. I'm working on it every day. It's a battle. But it's a good battle. It's a good brokenness. It's a good radical change in my actual actions every single day, living the Mr. Mom life for certain hours of the day and driving the kids around and doing all that. It's good for me, right? And I realized that before that I was too focused on ministry and God's work and the church and all this stuff. And God's not, God's just saying, that's, that's not really what I asked you to do. 
What about your wife and kids? You're kind of neglecting the time with them. No, I don't. I spend plenty of time with them. I argued with my wife. No, I spend plenty of time with the kids. And it was only God that could break me down and go, no, you could do better. So I've learned to honor the Sabbath and take a full day off on Saturdays. And I demand this of my staff now too, that we're making changes. And you guys better have a day that you're taking, that you're refreshing with the Lord, you're refreshing with your family, and you're just playing and, and cruising and relaxing and not thinking about the ministry. I was all gung-ho when I, when I came on staff or as the lead pastor. I'm going to go to every conference and every mission trip and every meeting, and I'm going to rah, 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 let's take over the world. And God said, that's not what I called you to be. You're still going to be impactful, but you need to find rest. You need to find time with your kids. You don't want your kids growing up resenting the very church that you love so much because the church took their dad away from them. Oh, that's heavy. That's broken. That's uncomfortable. That's pain. But I'm living it out right now. A radical change requires that I shift the habits in my life. Does that make sense, guys? I'm preaching the sermon to myself here today as much as I'm trying to preach it to you guys. It takes change. And here's the other thing is, the thing that I discovered that really helps the most is once in a while meeting with God for the life examination, it's not enough. What I've learned to do, which is like a crazy reality of something that I always knew was to daily meet with the Holy Spirit, to daily walk in the Holy Spirit's presence. That book we went through with John Bevere, the series we went through, See, the Holy Spirit was given to us as our helper, our counselor, our comforter, our guide, our empowerer, our strength, our peace, all of this stuff. And here's the deal. Every one of us as Christians, he lives in us and he's there with us all the time. So why was I, I'm just going to put it on me. I don't know about you guys. Why was I treating him like a professional consultant? When I needed problems, I would call on him. When I needed answers once in a while, oh, Holy Spirit, now I need you. He's going, I've been here all along. I'm there when you go to sleep. I'm there when you wake up. Why is it you only meet with me every once in a while? Oh, that's uncomfortable for me to hear those words from God. And yet at the same time, I realize I got to surrender to him. I need his help every single day. Jesus said in John 14, I'll ask the father, he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That's the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Right? It's a daily thing because here's what I got in all of this when I do the self-exam and I start to change my life and walk for the Lord. If I'm not constantly being on top of the maintenance of my life and my spiritual well-being, my old sinful nature and desires and thoughts and heart slowly comes creeping right back in. If I let my guard down, all of the old anger, the old insecurity, the old things that people put on me with their words, the whole uh, stuff that I picked up from my family of origin that were bad habits, all of the desires, temptations, addictions, all of that stuff, guess what? It comes creeping right back in. If I don't surrender daily to the power of the Holy Spirit, a daily checkup, a daily exam, that stuff's gonna creep back in. It's gonna take control of my life. You guys hearing me? See, how many of you guys right now are dealing with the cockroaches in your house? Come on, in real, in, let's be real. The real car, I'm talking about the B-52, the fatties that try to take over your house. They form gangs, they team up on you. They're not afraid of you. You flip the light on, they don't scatter. They just come like, what? You know, oh man, I got those in my house right now. And now, and I know I need to take care of it in the big way and call in the exterminator and all that. But right now on the daily, it's a battle. It's a battle for territory in my own house, right? The two townhouses on the both sides of me, they're, they're gone. People have moved out and they've been out for months. And so it's empty. They're probably just having parties in, in whatever in the two sides. But now they're cre creeping through the walls into my house and they're trying to take over. My wife went down to feed the dog in the middle of the night the other night. She came back up. She's like, there's like a gang of them waiting for me. I was like, what? 
There was like seven or eight fat roaches. Turn the light on. They didn't run. They look at you and they just come at you like, what? You know? And it's like, oh no. And so we've gotten to be professionals. Like on the daily, we're like smacking them and we get all of the different traps and all this stuff. I'm using anything, you know, it's not even just a roach spray anymore. I'm like, if there's Windex handy, I'm using Windex. I'm, sh- I'm shooting them with hand soap. You know, it's like, whatever. Smashing them, smashing them with hands. I don't even care. If I don't stay on top of this thing, they're going to creep back in, you know? And it's like, oh, I can't let the roaches win. And the one I love the most is the hoi hoi trap. You guys know which one the hoi 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 is? The black box. And it's the one where they walk in for the bait and they just get stuck. I love that one because I'm just like, yes, yeah, suffer. Just sit there and you see their antennas like, nee, nee. I'm like, die slowly, you know? And they're just stuck and they're like, ah, help me, you know? I love that one. But Here's what I've discovered in my spiritual life is, man, if I'm not on top of it daily with the Holy Spirit surrendered, all of those little roaches of the old thoughts, the old sin, the old stuff come sneaking right back into my life. And sooner or later, they take over and I'm a mess. And I'm the place where I was because I found freedom. I'm dropped right back down. So there's times, and I would encourage you this. Here's my challenge this week. Go find a time where you can get with God in silence and solitude, alone, completely listening, not with an agenda or a list, but just going, God, what do you want from me? Maybe, maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you've never, really, maybe since you got saved and became a Christian, there's that initial time when you're going, God, here I am. And that's the first big step. But maybe it's been a long time before you just went before him and said, all right, I'm not probably gonna like what I see, but I realize that you want me to have freedom. So examine me, Father God, investigate my heart. Show me what's wrong. Show me who I really am. Show me what I need to do to begin to walk out the process. Let me tell you this. You're not going to process it all this week and it's going to be all cleaned up. You're going to start the process of opening yourself up and letting God work. And it may take weeks, it may take months, whatever it might take. There's a lot of buildup that happens over the years and it may take God working with you in daily surrender to start getting all of that down. But let me just tell you this, start the process. Start the process, don't prolong it. You know that check engine light is on and you've been hiding it and God's going, I want you free. I want you running at full strength. Is that a good word this morning? I want to I wanna end with this because I think this is so cool. One of the neat kind of just end stories with Augie was he was doing all his bad stuff when he grew up in Waianae. And he was with the drugs and with all that stuff, just a very terrible lifestyle. I actually went out to the rocks where he used to live on the rocks by the water in a cave for a few years when he was homeless, when he was just in that terrible lifestyle living in a cave, stashing stuff, hidden stuff in the rocks in this little, it's not even a real cave. It's just like a little cut out of rock just for shelter. And he would sleep on that every day. And he told me, this is where I'd wake up because I could get the sun in the morning and see how beautiful. And I'm like, but you're living in the rocks. You were living in a cave in the rocks. And where he's come from and where he's at is amazing. But we went out to Waianae a couple weeks back because I'm all about the staff being strong and loving one another and modeling what it is to have Christian fellowship and love and strength. And so we do staff outings. So we did, took a staff outing out to Pokai Bay to ride stand-up paddle boards. And we brought our wives and our kids and husbands and everybody along with us. And it was such a blessed day. But Augie said, man, I don't know if I can go back out there because that's where I used to do my stuff and it's kind of a trigger for me. And so I said, all right, man, you don't have to go. I'm not gonna force you to, to walk into something that's uncomfortable. And he prayed on it and he got some accountability and he goes, no, nah, I think I'm gonna go out there. I'm a different man now. I think I, think I can do this thing. So he came with us. But there was a time of the day that he went just walking around the park a little bit and he ran, to, ran into someone he recognized from the old days, right? The BC days, the before Christ days. And he met this guy. And he goes, hey, bro, I know you. And the guy goes, well, I don't know if I know you. He goes, yeah. Augie. And he goes, Augie. 
And the guy tells him this. Bro, the only Augie I know was the toxic dragon, right? And that's who he was before. He was the drug dealer. He was the toxic dragon. And he goes, are you that guy? And Augie got to tell him, I don't know exactly what he said, but basically, no, I'm not that guy anymore. I work for God now. And I'm here in the business of helping people rather than hurting people. I'm giving to people rather than taking away from people. He works on staff. He oversees the maintenance here. He helps run the Celebrate Recovery Program with people with hurts, hangups, and addictions. And he's, pe- he's pulling people out of his old lifestyle into his new lifestyle. And he's a changed man. See, God wants you to have freedom like that. If you're willing, like Augie, to take a good hard look, personal inventory, spiritual, honest evaluation, broken and exposed and go, God, what do you see in me? What do I need to change? And then God's gonna bring about the change in your life. Is that a good word for you guys this morning? I don't know where you're at, but I have a feeling some of you guys are walking through that and this was a good one for you this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for being the God that sees all, that knows all. You created us. You're not ashamed of us, God. You love us. Lord, your word says there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus and I pray that we would live that out. Lord, I pray that you would give us the motivation, the heart, the courage, the boldness to try to meet with you this sometime this week or just begin the process. It might take us a couple attempts of really getting into your presence and really being completely honest with you and ourselves. But Lord, I pray that we'd begin to seek that. We'd begin to go there. We'd begin to let you give us a real true life examination because you've got so much more in store for us. You wanna take us beyond all of our issues. Lord, help us to get there. Help us to find the time and the place to begin that process in our lives and look forward to the changes you're gonna make. And Lord, I wanna pray with you right now as we got our eyes closed and heads bowed. Um, if there's anybody in here that you've never even taken that first step, that first life exam, that right now you know you came to service this morning and you're, you know that you need something more in your life and you like what you hear, that there's a God in heaven that loves you, that he's on your side, he supports you. He wants to bring you freedom and healing It's not about a religious system that's gonna judge you and make you feel terrible and make you feel like a dirty sinner, but it's the fact that there is a God in heaven that sent his son Jesus to die for those sins, to die for that guilt and that shame. He wants to take it upon himself so that you can live freely and lightly, that you can have an eternity with him, that you can know his goodness now as he begins the the work of cleansing you and healing you and, and leading you on to better things. And if you're at a point in life right now where you wanna take that first step to just to ultimately say, God, I wanna be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. I've been trying life on my own and all these other systems of the world and it's just not getting me anywhere. I'm just tired of it. God, if you're really real and you really love me and you've got something available for my life that I've never tried or experienced before, then I wanna say yes to you here today and I wanna give you a shot. And if that's you right now that I'm speaking to, then allow me to lead you in a prayer That's gonna be the cry of your heart to put things right back between you and God, the relationship he originally intended for you and with you. And what we're gonna do is I'm gonna say the words out loud as I pray them. And I'm just gonna ask you to join with me, but you pray them under your breath quietly to God. He hears you. He sees your heart and he judges us on our heart. He knows it's so easy for us to give lip service, but it's the cry of our heart that matters to him. And so right now, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer if you're you're about to take a step towards Jesus here today for the first time, or maybe it's the fact that you said yes a long time ago, but then you ran away, you slipped away and you need to come back and you're maybe making a rededication in your heart right now. So whatever your, your heart's desire is right now, allow me to lead you in a prayer that would make things right. And if that's what you wanna pray, I'm gonna ask one thing. People around you have their eyes closed and their heads bowed. But if you'd like to say that prayer with me, I'm gonna count to three and ask you to raise your hand on three just to let me know that you're gonna pray that with me. I just wanna know who I get the opportunity to pray with this morning. 
Here we go, real simple. One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you. I see one, I see two, I see three, four, five, six. I'm looking around. It's about six people in the room here today. Thank you, Father God. If that was you, put your hand down and just pray this with me. God hears you. He's excited that you're making this decision. Here's the prayer. God, I'm here today. I realize I need you. Lord, I need something to change. Lord, as I take an examination of my life, I see there's a lot that's broken and I'm tired of it. I can't fix it on my own. So God, I'm meeting with you this morning. I'm asking, would you have your way in me, Father God, as as I surrender control of my life to you? From this moment on, God, I will look to you. I'll trust you. I'll trust what I read in your word. I'll trust the messages I hear in the sermons and in the church and in in people in my life that are other Christians that could speak into me. Lord, I'll trust what I hear from your Holy Spirit in my heart. I don't even know what that's all about, but I understand that if I say yes to you right now, things are gonna change and you're gonna begin to speak to me through my heart, through my thoughts, stuff that I would have never thought of, Lord. And I'm gonna trust that that's you as you lead me forward. Lord, I surrender my life. Lord, I, I, I promise, Lord, in the, as soon as I can to be water baptized, just to, to prove outwardly what you're doing in me. Lord, I'm dying to my old self right now, the sinful nature, and I'm being born again, a new creation. And Lord, I pray that you would lead me forward. You'd surround me with other people that could be my armor bearers, that could have my back, that could pray for me and love me and encourage me and, and guide me as I, as I walk through this life. Lord, help me to come before you right now with an honest evaluation that you would show me what needs to be fixed and you'd show me how to get it done, how to come to you and allow you to fix what's broken in me. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross that paid the price for my sin and separation from you. And that if I hold on to him, I believe that he resurrected on the third day to prove that he is God over death, guilt, shame, hurts, hangups, baggage, all that stuff going on in my life. But I believe that I can find freedom in you alone. I follow you from this day forward on into eternity. Thank you for being my God and for me being your child this morning. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Can we praise God for those people this morning? Unreal. Amazing, guys. Good stuff.